Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. We're in the middle of our a series about connection. It's very important to us around here. And of course, the wireless fidelity, Wi-Fi that we have, the connection that we have with God is kind of the theme that we've been uh, uh, honing in on here for the last couple weeks. And um, you probably all have a phone with, you know, the, either the Wi-Fi signal, you know, how many, how, you're concerned about how many bars that you have and, and how good your signal is. And um, the thing about the fidelity, um, it means that uh, you have faithfulness to obligations and duties. Faithfulness to obligations and duties. This is what the Lord has for, towards us and what we have towards him. So this wireless fidelity, this Wi-Fi, these connections that we have in the spirit realm to God uh, do a number of things. Uh, the first week we talked about how we were created in his image, the Imago Dei, uh, how God has picked you and gave you his name. Last week we talked about our desires should be his desires. That shows our connectedness to him. If that our desires are his desires and how we are conformed to his image. So we're going to continue with that in talking about your DNA. Your DNA. Deoxyribonucleic acid. Yeah, that's your DNA. Deoxyribonucleic acid. That's your DNA. And uh, in the natural realm, it determines your eyes and your skin and your nose and your hair and lack thereof or your body, your body type. You know, all of those things is determined through your DNA. I mean, they're cloning sheep. There's rumor they've cloned humans. Um, we don't have that on the news, but it is it is what the scientists are after, um, taking just a little flake of skin. It's in everything about you we can tell because of this little bitty little, clip your nails, boom, a little flake of skin. There, there you are, that's you. That's everything about, everything we need to know about you is found in that little piece of skin. Your blood. Just put it under a microscope. We'll find out your heritage, what part of the world you're from, who your parents were, where they were from, rather. Pretty much everything about you is found in your DNA. Well, in the spirit realm, there is DNA. And we want to put our life under the microscope this morning to see what our spiritual DNA looks like, to see if we're connected. You were tracking with me okay? Yeah. All right. So uh, this DNA, this deoxyribonucleic acid, um, that's in the natural. In the spirit realm, we're going to use these letters D, and we're going to talk, first of all, about being discipled. To be connected with heaven means that you are a disciple and that you're being discipled. Oh, are you a disciple? Yes, I'm a disciple. Well, disciple means learner. So you can't be a disciple. You can't say, yes, that's me. I'm a disciple and not be a learner. That can't happen. It's an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp. It's not possible. It's just not possible. 
right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a disciple. Well, if you're a disciple, then you're a learner. So if we take your life and we look at your DNA, we're going to look at your, the level of discipleship in your life. This will tell us your history. It will tell us who you're connected to. So how do you know if you're a disciple? Well, according to Jesus, in Matthew, number one, in Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 24, says, then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. So are you a disciple? Well, then you are regularly denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following after Jesus, not your own desires. That's interesting. Your DNA for discipleship will also, number two, in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're a disciple, you're concerned about other people. Number three, John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. If you're a disciple, you're going to do what he's told you to do. Number four, John 13, 34. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You may not like some people, but you gotta love them. You gotta love them. it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing when you start loving people and when they start getting mad at you or they start getting angry at you or they snap at you or they're just, you know, they're just lost individuals that are angry and hurt on the inside and don't answer back with the same tone that they've given you. If anything, I mean, feel sorry for them that that's, that's how they're going to communicate. No, love people. Love people. And number five, if you're really a disciple, this letter D, this is, this is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do you show that you're his disciple? By bearing much fruit. We take your life, watch this, we take your life, we put it, we take a slice of it, and we put it on a little, what do you call those glass slides, right? Slides. Put it on the slide, put it under the microscope, and we're going to see if you're actually producing fruit. If you're multiplying yourself, if you're, if you're producing really good stuff, we will know whether or not you're a disciple. We'll know by the, your fruit. So I have a really elaborate word picture for you here, and I want to sh- show this to you. We're going to talk about the discipleship process for a minute so that we can understand where you might be in this progress. I know the type is a little bit small. You may have to take a photo or I can post it later. But uh, we start on the far left-hand side, all of us do, being spiritually dead. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For you who were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live, and then you followed the ways of the world, or of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying our cravings, our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. This is where everyone starts because of the uh, the original sin, because of the fall. We are all over here on the other side of this gap. You're dead. Oh, you're alive, but in your spirit realm, you know, you're just, it's not happening for you. This is what you talk about being born again. Did your spirit come alive in the spirit realm? We're all born, we're all alive, but have you been born a second time? This is the discussion that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Do you remember? He said to Nicodemus, you must be what? 
born again. That's not an evangelical term, a Baptist term, a Methodist term. That's a Jesus term. You've got to be born again. This thing inside of you has got to happen. It's got to, it's got to come alive because everyone is born with that selfish desire. It's me. It's mine, right? That's, the, that's how all of us were born. We just get, the older we get, we just get better at disguising it. But when we're three, it's mine, mine. You didn't have to teach your kid how to yell mine, did you? Or steal stuff from their brother or their sister. You didn't have to teach them, hey, now, little Johnny, if you want it, just go take it. No, they just knew selfishness from the get. This is how we're born. All the way on the left-hand side, we have to be born again. We're spiritually dead. So the bridge is Jesus. It's the cross. It gets us from point A to our, the process of becoming a disciple. Well, there's some stages here I want to talk about just very quickly. The first is the infant. The infant in John 3, 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they become born again. So this is when you become a baby in the kingdom of God. You're, you are 100% a Christian. You are 100% born again the very day that you say, Jesus, you are in charge of my life. I want you to be the ruler of my heart. You are 100% a Christian born again, but you're a baby Christian, right? It's like when you go to the hospital and the baby's been born. You go, oh, they're about to be. They've, they've been born. They've, they've named him Larry. And you go, here's Larry. And well, he's about to be. He's going he's gonna to be an amazing. No, he is already a human. He's already 100% a human. So when you get born again, you're born again. You're part of the family of God. You're a little in a little bassinet. You're a little baby. You need everything. You need your nose wiped and other things wiped. Right? And so those who have been around the body of Christ for a while need to foster that, need to take care of you, need to help you, need to point out, hey, don't step in that. That's going to hurt you if you step in that. You're going to smell for a long time if you step in that. Listen, we'll help, you, we'll help you clean all that stuff up. But listen, you, there are people that can help you through this infant stage. Then you become a child. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, my dear children, Paul refers to as children. And this, this, in this uh, chart for child, it says self-focused. Where it's me. This, this gospel's all about me. He did it for me. I am so amazing now that I'm born again. You should all just think I'm super great. It's all about me. Well, how come the church doesn't have a ministry specifically for me? Then you turn young adult and you become a little more kingdom focused. Here it says uh, uh, self-focused, then kingdom focused. Kingdom focus, 1 John 2, 14. Write that down. Uh, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I write you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. You become, you've overcome evil. Now he's like, okay, wait a second. I'm now born again. I'm not dead in my transgressions and sin. I'm not an infant anymore. I'm growing up. I'm beyond the me, me, me. And now I'm going to begin to say, oh, wow, there's this thing called the church. There's this thing called the kingdom. I should really like participate. I should be involved in this because this is really important. And Paul says, yes, you're fathers. You're growing up. You're young men. Wonderful. And then comes parenting. Now, if you're not a parent, 
yet it's hard for you to get your mind around this. I was the same way. You know, when Cheryl and I became pregnant, people come to me, oh, you're going to have a baby. Yes, I understand what that's all about. It's, we're bringing another child into the world. Well, there'll be three of us, and I'll be responsible for this person. You know, all intellectual information. Yes, I'm totally aware of what's about to happen. Then you have the kid, and bullets start flying, and, and the best plans all go right down the tube as soon as you get smacked in the face, right? That's how the, that's how the story goes. So he's like, wow, this thing called parenting. Now what happens in the spirit realm, for, for those of you who are growing up, true disciples, we're checking your DNA, by the way. If, you, if, you're, if you're really at parenting, now you've you kind of earmarked somebody. You've gone, well, this person's a little younger in the Lord. They could really use some wisdom. I'll kind of take them under my wing, and I'll, I'll show them a few things. Or, or maybe they're super bold, and they've come to you, and they've said, you know what? You seem to be a little bit further down the, the path than me. Can you please give me some insight and revelation and wisdom? Isn't this what we did when we were parents? I mean, one of the problems we have with the decay of the family is because we're so transient, we're not around mom and dad, or the family unit's so decayed that, that the young mom doesn't have her mother to go to to get the information on how do I stop this kid from screaming at two o'clock in the morning, right? So it's, 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 it's our responsibility in the spirit realm where discipleship is concerned to bring people to this level of parenting. Discipleship. And then the grandparenting. This is where you get to make disciples. Second Timothy 2, 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who also will be qualified to teach others. So what I'm trying to say, first of all, that level is where you have a disciple and then that disciple, that person that you're training is training another person. That's powerful. That's the power of, that's the power of multiplication, not addition. Because what happens then is that, that person gets a person and then they get two people and then those two people turn into four, eight, and 16, and 32. If you keep adding one, so watch. Way on the left-hand side, must be born again. I, 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 want, I want to be clear without being harsh. Just because you crossed over the gap doesn't mean you're a disciple. Because I said a disciple is a learner. That means somebody is continuing to grow. Like, I, I know this amount of information, but I, I should not only know more, but I should use the information, right? I should use the information that I already have. So it's about growing up. Discipleship is about growing up. Once you cross the chasm from death to life, you should then concern yourself, and you'll go through these phases naturally, but you start becoming a parent in the spirit realm, a grandparent in the spirit realm, and then you start taking responsibility and say, you know what? The kingdom of God is something more than just what can I get out of it on Sunday morning? Now, Ephesians 4 one of my favorite chapters, in verse 11, talks about growing up. It is he, meaning God, who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might grow up, be built up. Why am I here? Why do I have a responsibility? My responsibility, this is so cool, because I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing by telling you to grow up. This is my job. Watch this. Grow up. I'm doing my job. Watch this. Grow up. You should be responsible. You should be concerned about other people. You should really grow up. 
Why did God give apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? It was to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. This is one of the problems that I had in seminary is that they taught you how to do it. Of course, you have to know how to do it, but they didn't teach you how to teach other people to do it. And really, that's what we're, that's what people in my position are supposed to do is to help you do it. So when you come to me, say, Pastor, we ought to try X, Y, Z. I don't go, yeah, we should probably do that. We'll, get, we'll find, and I say, oh, that's a great idea. You should do that. I really, 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 my desire, I haven't said this in a long time, but it really is the truth. My desire is to work myself out of a job. Right? I mean, as a parent, oh, my baby. Where's, where's uh, Lexi? Where's Lexi? Lexi, there's Lexi right there. Lexi's moving to Florida soon. And only child. We're very familiar with this feeling as Hannah went away to California for a couple years. And, you know, but if you raise your child right, if you do it right, they leave. <laughs> they grow up and they leave. From the very, listen, from the very moment they are born, you are discipling them to take care of themselves. You're training them. Listen, you ought to get the oil in your, your, get the oil in your car changed more than every 20,000 miles. Right? I'm, I'm discipling you. I'm training you so that when you get out there on the own in the Serengeti, the lions don't chew you up, you little gazelle, you. Right? So if you do it right, they grow up. And everything, this is really super weird, everything they begin to do increases their level of independence from you. Oh, little, 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 little Johnny, little Johnny, and there's Johnny. And oh, now Johnny's walking. Oh, now, oh, because now you gotta lock all the cabinets because Johnny's pulling everything open, right? Right? And then, uh, oh, little Johnny, what, what's the next thing they learn to do? Oh, oh, right. Then, then, then what? Then the potty train. They don't need you anymore. Then what? Kindergarten. Uh, kindergarten. And, then, and, then, and then they're riding a bike. Now, now, they're, now they're not in your yard anymore. They're in the neighbor's yard. They're a little bit further. Then, then, let's fast forward. Then they get a car. Now they're not in the neighbor's yard. They're in the next town. Right? Your son, he's in another country right now. Right? You are training your child. You're discipling your child. And if you do it right, they grow up and they leave you. So I want to work myself out of a job. Because you need to, you need to have somebody in your life that you're pouring the information that you have. One of the, let me just say this. This is, this is an interesting thing because I used to be in the business world. And to be in the business world, it's a different, it, this, meaning the church, this is not that. Right? So you have to understand that there's, there's, a, there's a dichotomy here. But watch. In the business world, if I learn a piece of information about my company, I want to keep that piece of information to myself that, so it's proprietary to me. So I increase my, my cachet, my, 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 needing, my, my neededness to this company because if Eric's not here, well, then all that goes to pot. And now we, don't, we need Eric because Eric has this information that only he knows and he's kept it to himself. And I've increased my value in the marketplace because I have this information that I've not shared. Now coming to the kingdom of God. 
every piece of information I get downloaded from the Holy Ghost, I try to get it to you as fast as I can. Every piece of information. You, man, if God gave me a word this morning, I'm going to find something, I'm going to give it to you today. You know what the Lord told me today? Blah, blah, blah. I found this and I found that. And, da, 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 da. and when I get to come up here and I get to relieve myself of all the stuff that I've studied this week. I mean, the reason oftentimes that pastors aren't passionate and it doesn't seem to, they don't seem to communicate well is because they're not getting fresh revelation. They're not getting a fresh rhema word and they come and they've just, just reading you an outline that was mailed to them or, or something. And it's all very blah. And there's no pack because it's not a fresh rhema word, but, but I want to come, I want, I want, and this is the way you should be with your kids and the way you should be with your grandkids and the way you should be with people in your life. If you're a disciple. Now, if this is your, if your goal, if we put your life under the microscope and we take a little slice and we put it on the slide. Are you not only a a disciple, but are you discipling someone else? We're still on the letter D. I will pick things up here quickly. So let's go on. Letter N. So D is are you discipled? N is nourished. Nourished. Okay. How many calories a day does an average person need? I, I looked it up and it's give or take uh, 2,500 plus a few, minus a few, depending on, you know, who you are and all that kind of stuff, how old you are, and male or female. But let's stick with 2,500. And we also know that there are good calories and there's bad calories. Empty calories, calories that aren't good for you, calories that are, that are good for you. So as I thought about that, I thought, okay, you read your Bible, that's like 500 calories. That's, that's a big portion of, of keeping yourself healthy, right? Devotions in the morning or in the evening, maybe 250 calories. A little prayer, meditation, I think that's important. That's a, full, that's a full 500 calories right there. Scripture memorization, maybe 250 calories. Listen to some good Christian music, 100 calories. Good sermon, 250. If it's Eric's, maybe 500. <laughs> Don't know, but something like that, maybe, right? Podcast, whatever. You add all that up, which I did, and you're still not at 2,500. It's not at 2,500. So the question is then, where's the doing? Where's the exercise? Where's the exercise? James 1.20 says, do not, 122 says, do not merely listen to the word, and in so doing, deceive yourself. But do what it says. You want to double down on being a Christian? You got to be nourished well. This is your opportunity for a daily double. <laughs> you just landed on today's daily double, which means the choice is yours how much you will wager. Every other one? Prescribed. It's predetermined what you will wager. This is where you get to say, uh, I don't feel comfortable about that. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to wager 500. Or you're going to say, I'm going to wager it all. That's the power of the daily double. And every day you have this power within your grasp to either do what God tells you to do or, or not to do it. Working in the harvest field, putting shoe leather to your faith, actually doing something ensures that you won't be deceived by being a hearer only. Newsflash, there will be Bible college, seminary professors who go to hell even though they know the Bible better than me, better than you. 
because they don't actually do it. One of the reasons, I mean, I, I think there are certainly going to be college uh, seminary professors in heaven, but one of the reasons I particularly uh, enjoy Dr. David Nichols, who many of you uh, know, is that uh, he was a professor of mine. I was his, I was his uh, graduate assistant. I was his teaching assistant. I taught classes for him. Um, and after I graduated and went on into ministry, it was not too long after that, we had a conversation. He says, Eric, I'm just, I'm tired of talking about it. I actually want to do it. I mean, he was groomed to be a professor. He's a PhD. That's what he does. And he does it really well, but I want to go do it. If you don't have an itch to do the gospel, I got to question your DNA. How, how connected are you, right? What am I talking about? I'm talking about something as easy as helping at church, teaching a class, usher, greeter, teacher, musician, painter, plumber, carpenter. Wait, painter? Yeah, you like all of those things. All those things are needed in the church. All of them. You can do them all for the church. Be an artist. Involved in hospitality, administration, the gifts of help. D, are you a disciple? N, are you well-nourished? Not only just in hearing. I think hearing, oh man, I know all the latest. I know, I, yeah, but are you doing it? Are you doing the gospel? That will tell me whether you're well-nourished. And letter A, we're gonna finish up right here, is whether or not you are well-armored. If you're really a disciple, you are... If you are really connected to God, you're a disciple, you're well-nourished, and you're well-armored. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day and having done everything to do, then stand firm. And I had this idea, you know, this, this, you see a knight in shining armor, and, and I think we have a, a picture of, of an, a knight with all of his, uh, well, that's a decent picture of a knight, but the one with all of his armor, with all the things labeled on it, even that, can we slip to that slide? Nope, I want to go to the slide that has all that, that. let's see, look, 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 look how clean he looks. See how clean he looks? A knight in shining armor is a person who's never been to war. I want a knight in shining armor. That person's not been tested. Cheryl talks often about in, 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 in prayer, particularly over people, that you know, we're all wearing armor and that as we link arms with one another, we get to hear the rattle of the armor around us. And I don't have this picture of someone that's, you know, all pretty. I have, a, I have a, a serious question for you. And that is, if we put you under the microscope, look at your DNA, what will we see? I have a few possibilities for you. The first is this young lady. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's what the Lord would see if he slides you under the microscope. Maybe the next one. Huh? I don't know. Maybe he would see this person or this person. I would submit to you that he would rather see something like this or this or this or this. Yeah. Not some guy in an ascot and a, and a, and a winter hat in July. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10. In his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. Why? Why, Eric? So what? Big deal. Why? Well, it says so. So that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. Why are you getting beat up? Why is your life a wreck? Well, perhaps you don't have the armor of God on. If we take a, take a slice of your life, put it under the microscope, mm, discipled, well-nourished, but do you have the armor? Are you, are, you, are you just in your summer flip-flops and a tank top, or are you decked out ready for a little bit of, little bit of uh, uh, aggression? If we, listen, if the church loses her war footing, we will fall. We must maintain the mentality that we are in battle. Listen, we win the war. We win the war, but we must maintain the things that he's given us. For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, not against the government, not against your spouse, not against your kids, not against your neighbor, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So because of that, verse number 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when... Oh, do you have that verse? Do you have that verse uh, uh, 13? Yeah, there it is. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that if the day of evil comes, no, 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 no. When? To be forewarned is to be forearmed. If you're, if you're not in a battle, wait a second. Just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Well, I get tired and I get beat up. and That's why you should be around other people that have armor. That's why you should be part, as you be well discipled. You should have somebody discipling you. That's why you should be part of the body of Christ. Well, I don't like the church. Tough nuts. <laughs> Too bad. The church is what God instituted. It's what Jesus died for. Well, I don't like the church. Too bad. It's, there is no plan B. The church full of weird people like us. Methodists, Charismatics, Pentecostals, Lutherans, uh, Evan, I mean, the whole swath, the whole band, the whole merry band of all of us. Your brothers and sisters, if they love Jesus. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, your breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all, all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. All right, let's, let's look at this quickly. Belt of truth. If there is not an assault against truth in our society today, I don't know what, where, where, where we would even begin to think that where the battle is. You know, you ever see a young man, you just want to tell him, pull your pants up, please just pull your pants up. Up, just pull them up a little bit. <laughs> I'm from the belt generation. My dad was super extreme, man. He was, my dad, if you think I was extreme, my dad was super extreme. Man. You never wanted my dad to help you tie a tie, tie your shoelaces, tighten your belt, nothing like that. I mean, if my dad tied my shoes, I'd have to go to my bedroom and loosen them because my foot would be blue. <laughs> Certainly not a necktie. 
One time he zipped up my winter coat. It was just, zang, got caught, all this flesh, all this flesh got caught up in the thing. Sorry, I just had a flashback there for a second. Just a moment, just hang on a second, hang on a second. Or a belt, come here, son. And I don't have a waist anyway, so it had to be like just squeeze your fat in. Horrible. If you don't have a belt, right? That's where it all starts, is the belt of truth. Is that what is truth? Who I am the way, the truth. That's where it all starts. Clarence Thomas, uh, just this last week or so, he was talking about decisions and, and the opinions that the Supreme Court had and everything. And he has this, this little sentence, this little saying, this little parable-esque type of thing where he says, you know, if you're in a storm, if you're in a boat and you're on the ocean and there's a storm, north is still north. If your child is sick and in the hospital, north is still north. If you live in the southern hemisphere or the northern hemisphere, north is still north. And he goes through this whole litany of things that can be a variance in your life, but at the end of the day, north is still north. Truth is still truth. So the breastplate of righteousness is next. The breastplate of righteousness, guard your heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Basically, you start with truth, and from that, you begin to live a righteous life, and that will guard your heart. Shoes of the gospel of peace. And I thought about that, and what is it? This is a warrior. You know, my wife, she laughs at me, you know, I like, like survivor, you know? They're not wearing shoes on survivor, or naked and afraid. <laughs> naked and afraid. You ever seen that show advertised? Naked and afraid. Cheryl says, you wouldn't make it on any of those shows. You can't even walk to the, can't even walk to the mailbox barefooted. You know what I'm saying? Ah, ah, you know. And that's on a cement driveway with a, just a little rock that somehow got on my driveway. I'm walking like, no problem, no problem, man. Bah, ah. So I put my flip-flops on just to go to get the mail. I'm a wimp. I'm sorry. I got to tell you. Watch this. Watch this. If the devil can take your shoes, if he can keep you from moving, and these shoes represent what? Peace, the gospel of peace. If he steals your peace, has he ever sold your peace? You're not walking to the mailbox. You're not doing nothing for him. So you got your belt, great. Belt of truth, breastplate of what you're doing the right stuff. But if he can steal your peace, it's like going to war without shoes. It's ridiculous. So then you got the shield of faith. These are large shields. They would be dipped in water to extinguish fiery darts. Soldiers could actually come together and like make a turtle shell, interlock them. Faith, without it, you can't even please God. Then this thing called the helmet of salvation. And I thought about that. It, 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 It covers your mind I mean, you whack off an arm, whack off another arm, cut off a foot, but you whack off my head, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Right? 
I can survive. I can survive without an arm. I can survive without, an, without another leg. I can survive without toes. When you whack my head off, I'm not going to last very long. That's the helmet of salvation. But the devil doesn't come and cut your head off. He just gets in your head. He gets between your ears. You're no good. You are the things you've done, and therefore you're filthy, and you're ugly. You're not worth much. Nobody cares about you. You should just kill yourself. No one would really miss you. There's no hope for you. No one really knows who you are, really. Oh, you have some friends, but are they really your friends? No one really cares if you're hurting. They tell you they care, but they don't really care. These are the thoughts. These are the thoughts that get in your head, and the enemy plants those things there. God says you're loved. God says you're chosen. God says you're forgiven. God says you're awesome. God says, I actually love you so much, I died for you. That's wearing the helmet of salvation, being reminded of it. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, put that up here. Think on those things. Think on those things. It's hard, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, your mind can go so quickly to dark places. You've got to guard your mind. Well, this is all wonderful. This is all protective things, protective things. I'm protected. I'm protected. I mean, I, I have a shield. I have, I have my helmet. I got my breastplate. I got my belt. I got my shoes. I'm all protected. Well, okay. What kind of offensive tool do I have? Now, if I'm all decked out in armor, some of you might, if you didn't like me, would be compelled to come up, maybe take me on. (laughs) Take a swing at me. Take a poke at me. See if you can't get my goat. But if I have this in my hand, you might think twice about coming up and giving me a little poke. Because I'll take your head off. I ain't scared. Do you know the damage this would do? It's not even really sharp. I thought about sharpening it. Where's Miles? I heard that. I thought about sharpening it. A guy made this for me many, many years ago. And uh, gosh, it is a wonderful sermon illustration. So I get to bring it out every five or six years or so when I talk about the armor of God. But I think it does a good job of illustrating the need for the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Same thing. You want to come against me? In the spirit realm, this is what is seen in the spirit realm. I'm not talking about the natural. I'm not talking about the natural at all. Not at all. Remember when the enemy came against Jesus in the wilderness, tempted him three different times, and what did the Lord, what did the Lord use as an offensive weapon against the enemy? The word of the Lord. You, you say this, but it is written. You say that, but it is written. See, if I'm going to check your DNA, 
I want to know whether you have the armor. And in that armor is whether or not you can wield the word of God well. Do you know the word of God? Well, I know John 3, 16. That's great. If, you're on the, if you just cross the chasm and you're a baby in diapers, wonderful. You're exactly where you need to be. That level of information, fantastic for there. But if you've been around the body of Christ in length of time, you say, I've been a Christian for a few years of my life or whatever, you should be a little bit further down. Can we put that continuum back up? We should be a little bit further down the road of this thing called being a disciple that says, you know what? I'm actually going to know the word of God and be able to wield the sword of the spirit. So. This is how we're going to end this. Ephesians uh, 6, 11. Put on the full armor. Say full. full. That means don't miss a piece. Don't miss a piece. You got it all? Every piece? Salvation, yes. Righteous living, guarding my heart. The belt of truth. I know what truth is. I may not like the truth, but the truth is what's going to set me free. And so now I got the sword of the spirit, I'm ready. It doesn't mean that you will not have battles. It doesn't mean that you won't suffer defeat. It doesn't mean that you won't have heartache and despair and somebody in your family is going to not die. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have tragedy in your life. Your kid's still going to need a cavity filled once in a while and they may break their arm in the summer and your car still may get a flat tire and and you're still going to have difficulties. And that's not what I'm talking about. That's also temporal. Talking about your eternal security. I'm talking about whether or not you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's whether you're connected, whether your DNA shows you're connected. So here's how it's going to end with this question. If we put your life under heaven's microscope to look at your heavenly DNA, what would, good, what would God find there? What would he find? Are you discipled? Only you can answer the question. I'm only here to raise the question. Are you discipled? Well, your cooking shows are doing a good job of discipling you. And your fishing shows are doing a good job of discipling you. And any other hobby, any other hobby that you're involved in, you're a disciple of that hobby. Listen, if you can't say amen, say ouch, it's okay. I've been there. I've been there, right? Those things disciple you. So I'm asking, if if we take this slice of your life and we stick it into this God, look at you and say, oh, that he's well connected to me. He's a disciple. I can see it in his DNA. Number two, are you well nourished? Not only are your calorie intake, but are you exercising the things that you're learning? And are you well armored? Uh, CSI, crime scene investigation. What is that where they show up and they figure out what happened there? You know who that is in the spirit realm? It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you just say, Holy Spirit, I need to know what's going on in my life so that I can become a better disciple. I want to be better connected I want to be better connected. Well, okay, I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it. Well, what are, you, what are you talking about, Pastor? You're talking about going to a class, talking about coming to church. And I don't really want to go to church. I, you know, church is kind of boring. And uh, well, can I be a Christian and not go to church? 
Well, you can be married and not live in the same house with your spouse, but that relationship's not gonna get strong. So get involved. Get involved. Be strong. Get discipled. Get connected. These aren't just buzzwords for around here. Pastor Jeremy doesn't wear a shirt that says connect on it. We don't talk about connect cards. We don't have a connect conference. I don't do a seven-part series on connection just because it's cool and it's fun. No, it's vital for you being strong in these last days with all the crazy that's happening. If you're not well connected, you're just going to gonna be, be a bottle rocket. <laughs> you know, there's, there's two types of bottle rockets. Bottle rocket goes, it goes, whoosh, and then there's the bottle rock that goes, whoosh, whoosh, bang. I want to be the whoosh, bang. Bottle rockets just go, whoosh, zero fun. <laughs> Nothing, no satisfaction whatsoever. Whoosh, whoosh. What, no bang? Not even a little crackly, none of that? Nothing? How much did I pay for these? I want something that's got a little bit of, Ugh. That's what Jesus is saying about your life. You're going to get to heaven. He just wants you to have a bang when you get there. Amen? All right. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? We're on a journey together, all of us. So uh, thanks for being on the journey with me. I look at my life. I say... What about my heavenly DNA? Am I discipled? Am I nourished? Am I armored? And I think if all of us are honest with ourselves, no matter where we are in the continuum, we can be better. I mean, that's the goal, really, isn't it? We can be better. But don't let the enemy beat you up. Just start wherever you're at and just take the next step in one of those three categories. So what I'd like you to do is just pick one of those three categories. Is it the discipleship area? Is it the nourishment area? You just haven't been feeding yourself the word of God. You haven't been, you haven't been saturating yourself with the right nutrients. Planted bushes out here a couple weeks ago on the side of the church. Little red sticker bushes in front of the windows. And in each hole, I dropped a little fertilizer bar of something that the guy said was going to help him grow. Why would I do that? Because I'm not going to go to all the effort to plant those things and then not do my best to see that they grow. So you're here on Sunday morning. You've already kind of paid the price. You dug the hole. You put your life in it. How about a little bit of nourishment, right? And then being armored. If you, if you see, here, here's a good indicator. If you're always getting beat up, always getting beat up, you can't seem to catch a break, why don't you do a little assessment and see how the armor is on your life right now? When was the last time you memorized the scripture? When was the last time you, oh. When was the last time you picked this up in the spirit realm? Hmm? If the devil comes by your front door and you got one of these in your hand, he's moving on to the next house. Now, if you just dress in armor and, eh, come maybe mess with you but you got one of these things and you're not afraid to show it you're gonna leave you alone they'll still mess with you once in a while so you pick your area and we're gonna pray
Which one is it? Is it your discipleship? Maybe you've been in the body of Christ a long time and you need to disciple somebody else. You have not been passing on the information that you've got. You're trying to keep it proprietary to you. Pass it on. Okay. Father God, thank you for pointing out today that there is DNA in the spirit realm and that'll identify us, our heritage, who we're connected to. And so Lord, first of all, we want to identify the fact that we're your disciple. No matter where we're at in the continuum, Father, we want to grow up. Grow up a little bit more. Learn to tie our shoes by ourselves. Not having a mama always have to tie our shoes. Not having the pastor always having to wipe my nose. Or, Lord, maybe it's the level of nourishment. All we're listening to is stuff that's not really wholesome. We need to start listening to some stuff that's a little bit better. Some podcasts, some sermons, some music. We need to be fed. And then we need to go do something. We need to be involved some exercise of our faith. Thirdly, Lord, the whole armor. And it starts with the helmet of salvation this morning for you. If you've not given your life to Christ, that's where it all starts. There's no condemnation. Welcome to the family. You just open your heart and say, Jesus, this is the day, this is the moment. I don't even know what all that means, but I've decided that right now I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm gonna be a Christian and I'm I'm gonna cross over that gap using the cross as the means and I want to grow up in you. If that's you this morning, you just tell him, God, I give my life to you. Right there, right where you're at. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes are closed. You say it right there to yourself. Say, Father, I give you my life. Then from there, we grow up. We put on the whole armor of God, starting with the truth. So, Father, here we are today, your, 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 uh, your apprentices. We're your apprentice. Help us. Help us, Lord, that when the winds blow and the storms come, and they will, that we can stand. Having done all to stand, we then stand. We thank you for these things today in the name of Jesus. And now I bless you. I bless your home and your family your kids, your grandkids, that today would be a great day of celebration in your home of joy and peace. And where there is heartache and pain, that the Holy Spirit would come and bring comfort. Fill the hole of loss and may the joy of the Lord be your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.